What's up? This is the McAllister's podcast. I'm your host, always Colin McAllister. Um, on another lovely weekend day, posting a couple days before, or not posting, recording the episode a couple days before this drops. Um, before I start to want to get started today, I wanted to give a special shout out to all the listeners, everybody. Um, I think at the time of recording this, the last episode we dropped, where I kind of talked about um, some of my stories of porn addiction and that kind of thing, um, actually hit. Um, but I think like 183 vi- um, views. I'm going to exit this browser out. Um, so really appreciate everybody for tuning in and watching that. Um, you know, when I started doing these solo episodes, I didn't really know how it was going to go. Um, it kind of just came from, you know, like I've talked about before, just kind of not really wanting to have these conversations. And, you know, I, I'm kind of good. I, I think I'm going to circle back to this at the end talking about, of a book I recently read, but, um, you know, I think having people on for conversations was mainly a way to discover truth. And, um, it just, after doing it for three years, I just, you know, I discovered that that was a, um, an unachievable goal. Um, you know, there were times where I, I would have like a guest, like three times on the show. And I would go through everything, all my arguments with drug legalization or politics or whatever. And, they're, they stubbornly refuse to change their mind. Um, and I mean, I, I like to think of my, you know, I don't know. I don't know what kind of my, what my public track record is or whatever for um, that. But I always like to think I'm an open-minded person and willing to change their mind. Um, and the sad reality is that most of the population is not willing to do that. Um, so that kind of um, has been my logic into doing these whole episodes. So, um I mean, this last one that dropped two ten. I'm um, talking about porn addiction. Um, that hit. I don't know what's hit on RSS or the 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 you know the audio. Um, but it's done quite well on YouTube. I think it's one of like the top ten popular episodes. So, um, really appreciate everybody for doing that, tuning in for that, um, and supporting the channel. You guys are you guys are the blood of the show. Um. Kind of, kind of fucking uh, side sweep that. Although, um, God, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Uh, so this morning, so the, I guess the main thing I want to talk about today, a couple things I want to talk about. But um, I woke up this morning. I I had not been on social media for a couple days. Um, just kind of took a break. Um, you know, with like the addiction and stuff, it's really easy to get trapped in that. So when I have a time where I can just kind of tune out for a few days i do um upon you know i'll pull up the facebook post that i made um upon trying to log into tiktok today um on the McAllister hours uh tiktok page i was unable to do so completely unable to do so um and i got this notice your account was permanently banned Due to multiple violations of our community guidelines. Um, and so I clicked the feedback button. And they kind of asked why. And I, I went to the last option. I'm like, I have no, like, I don't understand why I got this. They never showed me a clip. They never, because I've gotten strikes in the past from them. But they've it's always been on a certain clip. Like, I always know, like, what and how and all that. Um, and, you know, in all reality... I don't know if it's the end of the world, um, because I, I, out of all the platforms I was 
um, engaging with, that was probably the least interact or the least active. Despite I had, the, weirdly enough, I had the most followers on there. I had about sixteen hundred followers. Um, most of that was from a clip with Rick where he talked about um, <laughs> driving through uh, was it South Africa, South America to like Colombia to like go you know get some cocaine and you know it's funny shit. But um, wild shit. But I guess I guess the bigger picture of it is what disturbs me. Um, because we're I mean we're gonna get into this in a little bit. Um, there has been a lot, you know, Trump has had a surprising surge in the, you know, the, the caucus polls. And, um, I, I I do feel like we're kind of getting back into that time of, you know, 2020, 2021, where we're going to see mass censorship. We're going to see, um, you know, media influences and all that really try to collectively, um, you know, squeeze the middleman, squeeze free speech. And um, this is an extension of that. This is, I, I, I just, I feel it coming. I really feel it coming. I think when we get into an election cycle, we're really going to have the same thing that happened in 2020, where we're going to have this suppression of information, um, which in, in turn is going to affect election results. Um, I'm not someone who believes that the election was rigged in the sense that you know, people like went in, changed votes. I mean, no more than that normally happens, right? Um, but I do think when you have um, Hollywood, media, social media, really any large entity in America, all rooting for, all not only rooting for one party, but aggressively attacking the other side, um, that is going to cause rigged election. When you when you have COVID mandates. And allow people to, um, you know, vote like four to, I don't know, what was it, like four to six months before the actual election with mail-in ballots. Like, it's going to be, a, that's a fishy election from the get-go. Um, and I really do feel like we're kind of back on that track right now in society. Um, I do really feel like, um, you know, this channel, the Unhinged Uncensored, where, you know, me and Lolo kind of go into some wild territories, like... I feel like a lot of these platforms are going to end up being censored. And, um, you know, I think that's a really sad thing for, you know, small businesses or, you know, entrepreneur people who are doing like what I do, who have, you know, unconventional views, who want to put that out into the world. Um, I do think that that's going to be silenced. Um, And this is kind of something I worried about and feared with 2024. Um, I was kind of hoping that the establishment would not um, take this whole thing with Trump so seriously, but they are. So it's kind of a weird time. But um, yeah, I mean, fuck, fuck TikTok. I, I've always hated that app. Um, it's the thirstiest. It's the um, it has by far probably the most censorship of. I mean, besides Facebook. I mean, I don't even know Facebook is as bad as TikTok. But TikTok is so blatant with it. That's kind of the problem. And they'll really, I mean, there are a lot of channels that I've heard of that, like, aren't even, like, what I do. Like, aren't even um, being controversial or whatever. That they get their accounts deleted, too. Um, you know, I thought about, you know, maybe I could start a new account. I don't really feel it's worth it. Um, I'm okay with just focusing on YouTube and Facebook and Insta. 
Um, I'm totally fine with that. Um, and you know, if, if there's mass censorship on that, you know, on those platforms too, I don't really know what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to have to go third party, you know, focus more on the website or Patreon or whatever, um, which would be really sad. But that is kind of, but that's kind of the good thing about this weird time we're in is there are alternate platforms. There are, there are alternate ways to get your voice out. Um, it's harder. It's a lot harder, but it can be done. Um, that being said, so that's kind of the first point. Um, I also wanted to kind of talk about, uh, kind of some self discovery that I've been going through. Um, I may have another post on Facebook, um, kind of revealing to the world. I guess I'm doing it right now that I have, uh, decided to finally cross the bridge into anarchism. Um, and it's, it's weird even saying that word because I think, um, you know, when people go through the public school system or whatever, or just live in the geist of government, um, that I think they've done a very good job brainwashing people and, um, really putting a negative connotation on anarchy, which makes sense because I mean, it, it, like if you were Walmart and target was a competing force, you wouldn't be like, oh, Target's great. Like, he would do everything he could to condemn Target, right? So, I mean, it makes sense that they would take an idea like anarchism and just say, you know, just talk about how fucked up it is all the time and portray it in a certain way. Um, there's a book I have not yet read um, by one of my favorite authors, Michael Malice, and podcasters. Um, I read The New Right by him. I read The White Pill. I really love those books. I own both of them. Um, and I also own the Anarchist Handbook, which I have not, I kind of purchased it, um, initially, uh, not necessarily, like, I want, I do want to, like, I'm obviously going to read it here in a little bit, um, but, you know, he's just someone that I, I support, I think is a good voice, and even though I don't agree with him 100%, he is one of those people who are on the right side of, um, history in my mind, so I, I, you know, I love supporting him in any way I can. Uh, go check out his show, you're welcome, uh, you are yeah, or <laughs> not you are. Y-O-U-R, welcome. Specifically, he has a lot of cool guests on. He just had Dr. Drew on the other day, or a couple days ago. Anyways, uh, and it's kind of weird because I part of me does kind of feel like wonder if I'm just kind of going with that guys as well, right? Like, am I just kind of going with the flow in that way? Like, um, what was it? I was listening to, I was listening to some, po- I think it was the last podcast. Um, I think it was actually Michael Malice, him and Destiny. Um, he was kind of arguing and talking about how there's something kind of um, dangerous and like kind of all gearing in that opposing side too. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I do see his point. Um, I do think they're kind of, I mean, look, and there, there are cases of anarchists that have been violent people, right? Like I, I don't condone violence. Basically, m- my thought process in the anarchism um, for those who don't know, anarchism is basically, um, a complete secession from the state. So there's no government, there's no force that is telling you that you cannot do something, um, like period. Um, and, but I mean, really, I guess how that translates to my life is, um, it, it's kind of, it's, it's been kind of a relief in a way. Um, because I think when I was more libertarian, um, minarchist, Um, there was something when you're still kind of playing into the idea of government, um, 
you find yourself emotionally invested, you get upset very easily. And I really have felt like the last couple of days since I've really kind of just come made this decision, um, really have found myself at peace. Um, having the idea that, you know, like, Oh, it's like the same reason I don't go to church. Like, um, you know, my family and my partner's family still goes to church and I don't go. Uh, because I, in my mind, I think that that's a malevolent force in itself as well. And I think going to church, um, kind of gives it that credit. Like you're kind of, you're kind of acknowledging that it's a legitimate thing. And I don't believe that. And I think the same goes for government. Um, you know, I, I think if, if I've, I've decided I'm no longer voting, I, I am not going to participate in voting anymore because again, I think if you play into the system, if you validate it by voting, um, I think Seth Leopold said it really well. Um, you're in a way kind of the problem, part of the problem in a way, um, as harsh as that sounds. And I agree with him. I agree which is why I have just decided to go down this path to really just remove myself um, from that whole system, from the voting system. Um, I don't believe in the idea of democracy. I think it's bullshit. Um, you, like you're telling me that slavery was okay until 1860. Um, it's, it's just not a base of morality. There's morality, and then there's this constructive facade of what we believe is morality, which is laws. Um, and I, I don't think that something being illegal makes it wrong. Um, the simplest counter to that is drugs. <laughs> um, the idea of somebody using anything, heroin, methamphetamine, uh, fentanyl, cannabis, alcohol, whatever. The idea of someone using that peacefully in their home. And then for an outside force to come in and throw them in a cage um, because they made that decision. Or or even selling it, right? Um, like if somebody voluntarily wants to go in and say, hey, I want to purchase this um, to arrest both that person and the person selling it. I think it's just ridiculous to get. I mean, and the, per, the people selling it, I mean, they get ridiculous sentences, like 10, 20 years. I mean, for cannabis let alone, I mean, anything else. So I just think that the whole thing's ridiculous. Um, and especially somewhere like Iowa, where cannabis is still legal, like participating in that system. Because look, I mean, the whole, I mean, people are going to vote a certain way. People are going to be a certain way. And if you're like me and you're in that minority, you're never going to win. I, Iowa is always going to be red. Iowa is always going to have a Republican uh, neoconservative base. It's just how it is. Um, now, I mean, I think you could say Des Moines, like if Des Moines were self-governing or Cedar Rapids was self-governing or whatever, I think that would be different. Um, but I mean, I guess there's a, there's a logic. I mean, I guess here's the main reason why I've decided to become an anarchist is the logical conclusion to any government is that it will eventually get bigger and bigger and bigger and impose more will on other people. Um, and, you know, as a minarchist, this is something I really struggle with. The idea, I felt like I was kind of a fraud, like I was a hypocrite, kind of sitting in that 
you know, that half-assed middle ground where you're like, you know, I oppose government, but it should be for these things and these things, etc. Um, and they're playing counter arguments to anarchism that um, I would love to debate with anyone if they feel they would like to. Um, but yeah, this is kind of just my, this is my stance, this is my position on it. This is me promoting the idea, you, I mean, a lot of people disagree with the idea of anarchism and I probably think it's bullshit. Um, I've been claimed to be an anarchist. I mean, several people have called me an anarchist for years. Um, I've always found myself to be like, I've always called myself an anarchist sympathetic. Um, just not entirely on board until today, until today where I've, I've, I've just thought about it long enough. I've been thinking about it a lot for the last probably four months, really been contemplating anarchism, thinking about going through the kind of logical steps in my head. Um, changing my opinion, which is something I really hope people can do. Okay, so one of the big things I wanted to talk about, this kind of ties into, um, this kind of ties into what I was talking about with, um, kind of the TikTok censorship. Some really crazy things have been happening over the last couple of days. Like I said, I'm recording this Saturday before this drops Monday. So, I mean, p- things don't usually happen in, like, on the weekend or you know Saturday Sunday in terms of this like um, the main thing where Trump has been ordered to pay eighty three million dollars <laughs> to E Jean E Jean Carroll. Um, the fact that I mean, uh, you know, they always release this information like on a weekend um, or like the or I should say like a toward the end of the week, like a Friday. Like a lot of times they'll announce it on Friday because then because then the business week is over. They give it everybody two days to cool off and drink and forget about it, whatever. And then they come back Monday and they don't even remember it. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's intentional like that. But so a couple different things have been happening with Trump. Um, most no, I mean, what happened Friday? Um, I'll just read this article. Uh, jury. Fuck, I've got things going in multiple places. Jury, this is from the Wall Street Journal. Jury orders Trump to pay E. Jean Carroll $83 million for defamation. A federal jury ordered Donald Trump to pay more than $83 million for defaming wire E. Jean Carroll, handling the former president of handing the formal former president a financial and legal blow just as he moves closer to cementing the Republican nomination for November's presidential election. Um... The new award dwarfs the $5 million that is a different federal jury award to Carol last year after finding Trump liable for sexually assaulting her in the 1990s and then defaming her when he denied it in 2022. Um, that's interesting because <clears throat> it wouldn't surprise me if Trump sexually assaulted this woman at all. Um, like, I don't think he's a good person. I don't think he's a... But it's kind of interesting that you know, they never had a criminal case and there's, so, so they already awarded her $5 million and then they're just kind of coming back and be like, oh, by the way, you got to pay an additional $83 million. I think it's a little ridiculous. Um, I mean, despite the fact that, you know, something like that may have happened, right? Um, so I think that's interesting that they kind of just, and, and you know, that it's, this came right after Trump's New Hampshire win, right? Which uh, people were, I mean, I was kind of curious to see if that would actually pay off for him since Nikki Haley, that's her prime state. 
Um, but you know, the fact that he beat her in that, I mean, I think at this point it's it, like, we know it's going to be Trump. We know it's going to be Trump that makes this, that, that makes this nomination. Um, he's mopping the floor. It's fucking wild. Um, and okay, here's the, here's the other, uh, other thing that happened the day before. So, um, ex-Trump aide Pierre Navarro sentenced to four months in prison over House January 6th probe. Um, essentially, okay, Navarro was convicted in September on two counts of contempt of Congress, one for failing to produce documents related to the probe, and another for skipping his deposition. Um, so, you know, really kind of just giving the government a fuck you to that, you know, right, you know, right, in my opinion, rightfully feeling like he didn't need to cooperate, give them information, because it's kind of a bullshit thing. Um, and now he's facing four months in prison. Um, and, you know, will he probably serve that for four months or full four months? Probably not. He'll probably get probation. He'll probably get out early. Um, that's usually what happens, especially with, um, you know, high high profile people. Um, but I do think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that the that the media and all these, you know, like we talk about these entities, the same entities that suppress this channel. Um, that that they're doing that, that they are um, really doing they're, they're doing a repeat of 2020, and I really wonder what the what I, there are two reasons that come to my mind. Um, one that it's that they're idiots, and there's they're doing a complete, they're doing exactly what they did in 2016 and 2020. Um, and just just going the regular government route, <laughs> suppressing information. Um, I think it's really kind of interesting that they're doing that, if that's the case. Um, number two, I think the likely thing and something that I've argued for a while, um, I do believe that they're, you know, I don't think it's a secret that Republicans and Democrats are on the same team. Like they are. They, they play this charade where they're against each Like, I'm talking about the people that are up in top, the the top tiers of government. Um, I don't think it's a secret that they are on that shit, that they're both, that they're all um, in on it. You know, all these people, they go out to dinner and get drinks afterwards on opposing parties. Like, they don't, it's all charade. It's all masquerade. Um, and I do really wonder if, the 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 promotion of Trump is intentional. That they want to have someone, they want to have a repeat twenty twenty, because we know what's going to happen in twenty. Like we know what's going to happen. It's going to be a repeat. He's going to lose. Biden's going to win again, and people are going to get upset again. It's going to cause more civil unrest. It's going to give them more reasons to impose their will on the people. Um, I don't think that's an accident that we're seeing Trump pull ahead do what he's always done um and it's it's just gonna be a repeat and like we knew that right i think like like i was talking <laughs> i was talking to molly today about like how upsetting it is that we're repeating 2020 and she's like but like th- like you knew that was gonna happen like everybody knew that was gonna happen and she's right she's right everybody knew that um so it's interesting it's just interesting to see this all go down um if the allegations against gene carroll are true i think that's unfortunate um however i mean there's a fine line between some sense of justice and abusing that justice and like 
obviously doing something that's just trying to fucking milk him. And because this isn't going to be the first, right? I mean, he's he's facing federal charges right now. I mean, there could be he could even have to pay out more money. And, you know, Trump's a Trump's a narcissist. He's a self-serving person. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they milked him to the point where he just said, all right, I'm out. I'm done. Like, I don't care. He already threw his whole base under the under the uh, under the the train or the bus. I can't even fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, he just, you know, he threw him in the trash when when uh, the day after January 6th, he condemned everybody. Um, and he is not he's not someone that is, I don't think, like. I don't think he cares. <laughs> like you know, he he preaches about caring for his base and all that, and it's all it's all bullshit. He's a narcissist. Trump is at face value who he is. Um, there's no secret thing to him. There's no charade, nothing like that. Trump is Trump, essentially. So, yeah, kind of scary times we live in. I'm not gonna lie. It's a little. It's a fu- it's a weird time. It's a weird time seeing the authoritarianism and seeing all that that's going on. Authoritarianism is is uh it's just gonna ramp up. And and again, this goes back to me being an anarchist. I'm I'm over it. I'm over the bullshit. Okay, I wasn't sure if we were gonna be able to get to everything, but I don't know. <laughs> That fucking TikTok thing threw me off this morning. I almost wanted to save all this till tomorrow, but I figured I would I figured I would go into it while it's fresh. I shouldn't have eaten those fucking C B D gummies though. I feel like they calmed me down. I feel like I should have just like like kept the anger and anxiety up and then just drank coffee and then I would that would have been more entertaining, but I feel like I'm a little more peaceful about it. <laughs> I should be. But I mean again, that goes back to my whole my whole argument with anarchism, like I, I I do think it's a peaceful peaceful mentality, peaceful way to live. Is that Molly sneezing? I think it is. Alright, um I wanted to play this clip or really just a section of this podcast. So um kind of diving into my to my my next point. So so I was listening to a podcast recently, uh the Lex Freeman podcast. Which I have some conflicting views about Lex Friedman. Um, I do think he is naive. I do think he, he he kind of just thinks that if you love enough people, that thing's going to work out. And I think that's bullshit. Um, you could have all the love in the world, but you have one person with hate and a weapon, and it doesn't matter. Um, and I just think that um, he... Well, I mean, the the obvious thing that really infuriates me is that he deletes comments. He he intentionally goes in or he hires people to go in and delete comments. Um, there's been Facebook posts and social media posts that he's taken down himself when he, you know, sees backlash. A, a very emotional response. And I get it as a content creator. Like, there, there are definitely times where people have commented really shitty things in my videos that have sent me over the edge even. Um, but I think it takes a real... Um, outside look to realize that, you know, that, that look, I mean, I think commenting on like YouTube videos or whatever, that is like, uh, that is like the equivalent to, um, 
in a time hundreds of years ago where people were out in the streets and, you know, professing what they thought was real, um, you know, having that platform. I think in a sense, when you delete a comment, it is kind of akin to like, you know, physically removing somebody from the street and beating them. Um, I know that sounds extreme, but, you know, we live in a peaceful society. And I think when you have when the only way you can really promote yourself is through this, guys, um, you are kind of committing an act against freedom of speech. So, I mean, you go I mean, I think it's just obvious because you go into any video that he's done. And I mean, you look at people like Mark Zuckerberg, you look at people that, um, who is the fucking, the CEO of Pfizer, can you remember his name? I mean, he's done some divisive episodes and every single comment is positive. And there's no way in hell that, I mean, I myself have gone his videos and been like, this is bullshit. And it's never gotten any traction because I'm sure he deletes it or whoever he hires deletes it. The minute they see any, Negative comment. I just think that's unfortunate, um, especially for someone who promotes free speech and talk. You know, tries to have. And look, I'll give him credit. I do think he does a very. He is one of the few people who really rides in the middle of that divisiveness, the left-right divisiveness. And he is really able, despite the censorship of comments, he is really able to give people that open platform. I do congratulate him for that. I think that's awesome. He's willing to have Joe Rogan. He's willing to have really anybody. Criminals, like, he he will he will have that conversation with anyone or let them have the conversation. Even if there are points in the con- conversation that seem naive or whatever, like, at least he's willing to have them. And I give him all the credit in the world for that. Um, and this debate is actually a very good example of that, I think. Um, although I will say, so, so this is a debate between Ben Shapiro and Destiny. Um, Destiny is a liberal, progressive type. Um, he's a streamer. He's done like debates with Miley Annapolis, polit- very politically inclined. Um, and then Ben Shapiro, who needs no introduction, right? Um, I do. I mean, Ben Shapiro isn't a bad pick. But I do kind of feel like he could have picked. Well, here's a couple things. He could have picked. There are probably other people that he could have picked. And to be fair, I do think people on the left are generally less willing to have a debate. Um, you like you see it with Joe Rogan, someone like Joe Rogan, who has like reached out to multiple people on that side, and they've all refused to go, refused to go on the show because they live in their own echo chamber. Where um, if if someone signals that. Um, this man's bad or whatever he has like people just won't even engage with him. And I, I do think it's a, I do think it's a fair correlation to say that people on the right are more gen are generally more able to have that conversation, to have that debate. There are plenty of examples where they don't, there are plenty of examples where conservatives like censor other people. Um, ben Shapiro, actually, he, he had an interview on BBC where he walked out because, um, he didn't like how it was being conducted. I kind of think that's bullshit. Um, I've been in the hot seat. I've been in the middle of really shitty interviews. And I think it, you know, it, it takes a certain skill to be able to get out of that. And if you can't really do that as a political commentator, there's something kind of off. So that's kind of, I guess my criticism off the bat on this is I do think he probably could have picked other people to better people to have this debate. And I would have like, I really would, cause I always kind of have the, um, I really hate how people compare left and right. 
in general. I think it's a stupid comparison. Um, really, th- what I think is a better comparison is authoritarian, anti-authoritarian. Um, or libertarian, anarchist, whatever. Because whether you're on the left or right, whatever viewpoint you have, you're still taking an authoritarian edge. Both sides are saying, you know, we want this is what we want to impose the will on the people. So I would, you know, he's good friends with Michael Malice, who is a great debater. I think he could have easily sat in the middle of that interview. They could have all three had that conversation. I think that would have been a fantastic interview. Um, but, you know, he wanted to play up to, you know, what people view, what what's popular, right? Left and right. How the American system works, left and right. So, whatever. That aside, I do think it was actually a very good conversation. I thought they were both able to really give their points of view and debate in a, you know, a civilized manner. They were, you know, they were cracking jokes through the whole thing. Like it wasn't hostile. I do think that was that is something that's very positive about Lex Freeman. Is uh, besides besides the Kanye interview, which I mean, that's not on Lex. That's just Kanye. Uh, you know, besides that, I mean, everything that I've seen of his content is very, um, is very. You know, I appreciate it. I appreciate his able ability to you know keep it even. But I guess before we get too much further, let's just play this clip. Um, this is them talking about education. I thought it would kind of tie it into um, something that's been causing a lot of stir up in Iowa recently um, with Ken Reynolds suspending school lunches. So um, I don't know how much this will play. Oh, wow. It's a pretty long clip or a segment. So let's just play it. Let's see what happens. I'm excited for this conversation because I consider you to be really intelligent. Um but I feel like sometimes there are ways that conservatives talk about certain issues that seem to defy logic and reason, I guess. So here, and I'm sure you feel the same way about progressives. Well, I feel the same way about progressives, um, but even some uh, liberals, for sure. Uh, before I ask this question, it's going to relate to education. We can agree, broadly speaking, that statistics are real and that not everybody could do everything. So for a grounded example, uh, my life was pretty bad. I got into streaming and I turned my life around and that was really cool, but I can't expect everybody to do what I did, right? Like everybody being able to join the NBA or to be like a streamer. Well, of or, course, everybody yeah. has different qualities, sure. sure. Okay, so I used to be a lot more libertarian um, when I was twenty twenty one, And one of the things that dramatically changed kind of my view on government uh, manipulation of things in the I guess in society came uh, when it came time to deal with my son and the school that he went. Okay. I want to pause right here. I think this is a huge thing that has deterred me. Fuck. God damn it. I do that every fucking time. Ah, uh, achieve more. God fucking damn it. I need to stop doing that. Um, but, but, uh, this is one thing that, this is kind of why I've decided not to have kids. Um, because I, I do think that there is something to... Um, I've seen it in my life. Uh, I've seen it in even people like this. Where having a kid really changes your view. Um, and it's almost always in authoritarian leaning. And I mean, he even said it here. He was a libertarian and then he had kids. He was like, okay, now we need to have this authoritarian thing come in. So my kid's life can be quote unquote safe or whatever. And, you know, I almost kind of think it removes a sense of responsibility from the parent. I mean, I, that's, that might be a harsh, that might be a harsh thing to say, but I'm sorry. I think when you, 
are just going to say, hey, I, I'm just going to rely on the public school system to um, educate my kid. And, and that way I can focus on my own thing. And like, he can just be, I think that's kind of fucked up. I think there should be, um, well, in my opinion, I think it should be privatized. But like there, there should also be some form of home education. Or whatever, you know, I don't, it's just an unrealistic idea to be like, okay, I like, I'm going to rely on this and I'm going to, however I feel, I'm going to fight my way for this to happen in a certain way. I just think it's dumb. But anyways, uh, and I'm so sorry. Yeah, or to be like a stream. Of course, everybody has different qualities. Sure. Okay. So I used to be a lot more libertarian. Ah, fuck with me. How this doesn't fuck anything up. Okay. Um, when I was 2021. And one of the things that dramatically changed kind of my view on government uh, manipulation of things in the, I guess, in society came uh, when it came time to deal with my son and the school that he went to. And one of the things that I noticed was when it came time to send my son to school, I could either do private education or I could do public. Uh, Personally, I did 12 years of Catholic private education. Um, However, the public schools in Nebraska, depending on where you lived, were very, very, very good. And I opted for a certain district. I bought a house there. I moved there. And then my son was able to go to those schools. Um, And he's been going through those schools. And the difference of availability of like technology, like these kids are taking home iPads and like first grade. Uh, They've got like huge computer labs and everything. Do you think that there is some type of, I don't want to say injustice or unfairness, because I'm not even looking at it that way, just pragmatically, that there might be children that are in certain schools that if they just had better funding or more uh, access to technologies or things available to them, that those kids would become more productive members of society, that with like a little bit of a help, they, they could actually achieve more and do better for all of society. So I... Sure. That's not wrong. However, um, is that a fantasy world that you're really going to... And I think Ben Shapiro kind of breaks this down a little bit. But um, you're living in a fantasy world, man. If you really think that, like, you can just have this invisible hand, quote, unquote, uh, just give everybody everything. Like, like where does that come from? Like, like nothing's free. I mean, and look, that's the thing, right? And they all they're all giving this for free. The parents aren't paying for it. There's no real market representation for these iPads or whatever. Um, it's just kind of a skewed way of thinking where you can just be like, Hey, and this kind of goes into, uh, the whole thing with Kim Reynolds and school lunches, but, uh, we'll get into this. We'll get into that a little bit. Let's finish this clip. I think that on the list of priorities, when it comes to education, Mm -hmm. the availability of technology is actually fairly low on the list of priorities. Sure. The two things I've heard are uh, food availability and I think air conditioning, I think are the two biggest ones that I hear, but sure. I mean, the the, the biggest thing in terms of education itself, not just the physical facilities that we're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm would actually be two-parent family households. I agree. Communities that, that have fathers in them is sure. actually the number one decisor, according to Roland Fryer and, and many studies done on the, this particular topic. Mm-hmm. And the idea that that money alone, that investment of resources is the top priority in schooling is belied by the fact that LAUSD, which is where I went to school when I was younger, mm-hmm. uh, they pour an enormous amount of money into LAUSD. We're talking about tens of thousands of dollars very often per student. Mm-hmm. And it does not result in better schooling outcomes. And so... When you say, if we could give every kid an iPad, would you give every kid an iPad? The question is not, if I had a replicator machine from Star Trek, would I give everybody an enormous amount of stuff? Sure, I I would. Uh Every every resource is finite. Every resource is limited. And you have to prioritize what what are the outcomes that you seek in terms of the means with which you are seeking them. Uh And so, again, I think that the question is, is, I I quibble with with the premise of the question, which is that 
again, the the chief injustice when it comes to education on the list of, of injustices is I lack of availability to technology or that it's a funding problem. I, I just don't think that's the case. Sure. And I can half agree with you. That- yeah. Um, I thought he had a good response there. And they, they even kind of at one point they go here. I'll, I'll uh, switch back. Uh, I think they even one point go into uh, school lunches specifically and they talk and um i think ben shapiro does a good job pointing out that um there's a lot of waste involved and that's kind of with any government program there's always a bunch of waste um you saw in the soviet union like the market is the best way to really even things out someone has something they want they give money they get that thing not just like okay we're gonna estimate and we're just gonna like create all this stuff for quote unquote free, but it's not really free because they're just stealing people's money to fund it. And then government just works inefficiently, so then they're just going to waste a bunch of shit. And then you have a bigger problem than what the problem you was that I was trying to resolve. And I mean, honestly, the more you put into government programs, the more you're eventually going to, you know, like you're going to have mass starvation. It happens in every communist regime. They they're like, okay, we're going to feed you, we're going to have bread lines or whatever, and then the, the shit runs out because it's just not a fucking, it's just not a workable system. Um, So, I, you know, I had, <laughs> I've had a couple debates about the whole Kim Reynolds lunch thing, and like, look, I don't, I don't like Kim Reynolds, and I think there's a fair argument to be made that, you know, if she was going to cut some kind of funding in the government, there are way better ways she could have done that. Um, I mean, she could have cut down on the police, easily um that that's just been a gross that's just been like a disgusting amount of money that's been poured into the police department um they have like a new car every fucking they have like a new fleet of cars every fucking six months it's just ridiculous um you know other things related to that um you know they could she could have cut down salaries or something probably her own salary if she was actually a fucking good person i don't even know what her salary is um but you know with a lot of those politicians they're also making money to the side and um, crazy shit like that. Uh, so when it comes down to this issue, uh, like when I saw the article and I saw people getting upset about it, like I didn't really care. I'm like, I'm sorry. I had a friend that like, um, he, <laughs> I had a friend, I'm not going to say who it is. Uh, he sent me a voice message and he was like telling me that he's, he was like going to start a petition to like sue the state of Iowa for this injustice of getting rid of it's summer lunch programs, which I told Lola about these. Like, why are your kids going to summer school? I thought it was kind of funny. Um, it's also just kind of a weird premise that, like, okay, so, I mean, I don't know. This sounds really shitty, I know, but like, so what are the are the all the kids' parents just starving? Like, you're really you're really telling me that they only get one meal five times a week, and then the rest of the time they're starving? Like, what are they like? The parents would be dead, right? <laughs> like, or what? Maybe they're on food stamps. I don't know. But like, I, and that's another thing. I would guarantee that they're on food stamps. So I don't really think it's necessarily a correct correlation to say that they're not eating. Um, the quality is less. I agree. Um, but again, that's just a that's a that's a byproduct of the problem. Is when you when you just pour all your funding and you pour all this energy into the government um, programs, then it's going to be shit. It always is. And there's going to be waste, and um, it's just an inefficient system. So, like I said, of all the things that you could criticize Kim Reynolds for, I think this is probably pretty low on the list, in my opinion. Um, and there are a lot of people who disagree with me on that. 
sorry, you're talking to an anarchist. <laughs> you're talking to someone who um, heavily opposes government programs. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, I think I think it's just like like he points out with the you know how he how Ben Shapiro really disagrees with the premise of the question. I agree with that. I do think it's a kind of a silly premise to be like, oh well, these you know if you're gonna just look at it in the viewpoint of like the the simple like kids are going to starve which i don't necessarily think is true but even with that you're 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 refusing to look at the bigger picture which is that sure you're so you're putting a band-aid issue on right now but it's it this bubble's going to burst and then it's going to be catastrophic compared to kids not getting summer lunches i don't know so that was kind of my two cents on that. I, I, this is kind of something I debated with a few people, and I saw this clip, and I just thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk about. Um, at the end of the day, fuck Kim Reynolds. I can't stand that cunt. Um, she's awful. I'm making a movie about how awful she is. So I by no means support Kim Reynolds, but I just think it's kind of a non-issue. I just think it's a dumb... It's just another thing to get upset about, and there are plenty of other things to get upset about, I think. Uh, drug legalization is a big one. I think that would resolve a lot of problems. And look, here's another thing. Um, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of those kids um, probably do have people who are either addicted to drugs or have gotten charges for um, for using drugs. And um, I think both those issues would be alleviated if it was legalized. Anyways, that's my two cents on that. Okay, one more thing I want to talk about uh, before we wrap up the episode today. This book I just read. Um, Zen the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Um, I read it like in a surprising four months, which is amazing um, for me. <laughs> like 100. Because I, I, like, I try to do 10 pages a night. I try to read at least 10 pages, which I know isn't a lot. I mean, and I, that's been that number's been ticking up. I'm reading a book right now called... Uh, not normal by Jonathan Mooney, or normal socks by Jonathan Mooney. Um, and I've been I've been reading that at a pretty good pace. I'm gonna minimize both of these. Um, I've been, so yeah, but I really found the book interesting. Um, basically, the premise of the book is um, so it's based on a true story written by Robert M. Persig. I think I'm saying that right. Um, but it's based on a true story about uh, him going on a bicycle trip with his son. Um, kind of through the, um, I think they start in like the Dakota or somewhere in the Dakota, somewhere in the Midwest and, uh, motorcycle through Montana and California. And just while he's doing this, he's kind of going through this, like he believes himself to be, and this is kind of where his Buddhism comes in. Like he believes himself to be like a whole new person after this teaching experience. Um, I think it's Fadius is how you pronounce it. Um, he refers to himself as that, um, prior to where he is currently like going through this bike ride, basically like he's come to this point of self-discovery where, uh, because as a teacher, as a footballs back and forth as a teacher, he, um, uh, was posed with the question or he was another, another teacher said, make sure you have quality education and that really just led down this rabbit hole of what is quality how you define quality can quality be defined um and basically he just found that it was innate i like that that's kind of the basic summary like there's there's like classical reasoning and romantic reasoning where it's like classical kind of more logical 
romantic is the more reg or romantic is the more emotional side um, of it, and they're both valid, right? Like, like when like if you have a piece of art, like there's no like level of education or or like dictation or whatever that is going to determine that. So basically, I I think what the conclude what it basically concludes to because this man goes insane. I mean, it, it talks about how for a week he was just pissing on the floor and smoking cigarettes and staring at a wall. I mean, he went that insane. He he left his job as a teacher. He went to go get education to be a philosopher, and he found that even at the higher the levels, the higher of the levels that he went, the more bullshit it was. He he called it the Church of Reason, where basically it's almost kind of like government. Or or uh or a church or a literal church where there's an authoritative authoritative authoritarian figure who's going to tell you how it is, and that's always going to be the case. So he basically comes to this point of self discovery where, and that's why it's called Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance. The 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 level of Zen where you just do not um you just do not care. You don't care about it. Um. And he just learned to let go. And he really, he, I think he really, he really concludes in that also, I don't know if he says it, but I mean, it's in my mind, it's between the lines, that there's also no truth. And this is something that's kind of, also kind of led me to anarchism, is like the idea of truth. Is there a universal truth? Um, I don't know. I My gut says there is. My gut says that there's something through evolution and whatever that is just a fact of life. Um, and maybe even if you can't pinpoint it exactly, um, it's there, right? Um, I was talking with someone else who disagreed with me and kind of we kind of had this conversation about it. And it's just interesting. And that book has really made me think. Um, I don't really, I, like, I was going to pick something out to read, but I'm lazy and I didn't. Um, but I highly encourage everybody to read that book. Um, it's from, it's from the seventies and it's, it's kind of interesting cause he actually talks about how, and I think with that, this happens with any piece of literature that's like successful is an author has an intention. I, I was listening to Lex Freeman again, uh, talk about 1984 and he kind of talked about this, how, uh, you know, Orwell actually didn't really like a lot of the uh, reaction to it. Um, it was more of a sat- satirical book. And I think that's kind of that that is always kind of the case with artists when they create something as the public takes it a certain way. And then they're like, no, that's not really how I meant it to be. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, him talking about that. Also a little racist. <laughs> I won't lie. Like a lot of people in that time, a little racist. Uh likes to talk about how the white man ruins things um and the book i'm reading currently it's it's a lot about white people how shitty white people are and i just i hate that correlation it's just such a stupid correlation like what are you are you gonna tell me that the rwanda genocide was because of black people no <laughs> that's ridiculous it's ridiculous to like correlate somebody's race to something being bad and i mean in that book um normal sucks um you know, he he correctly criticizes these institutions that are doing things to like you know, eugenics, like to disable people, and how awful the conditions were in mental institutions. Like that's all correct, but then he just he correlates it to people being white, and that's so stupid. 
that's just such a stupid correlation. Like you're taking the most face value emotional aspect of that and you're just going to say white boom look and there there is i think there is something to be said for a white culture like i'm not going to say that they're look to say that like is there are the were there a majority of white people in a certain time who were racist probably yeah like yes that's 100 percent true but to say that that is the reason i think is a lit i think that's just ridiculous that's my two cents on that Hey, we almost made it the hour. Basically made it the hour. Should I just should I just like fart for the next five minutes? <laughs> just put a bunch of fart sounds in. Or I could just bend over and just take a shit into the microphone and we can we can have that. No, I'm kidding. Um guys, thanks for tuning in. Like I said, you're the bloodline of the show. Uh we're changing the time. if you haven't figured out already, we're changing the time to two PM on Monday. I've decided it's better for the algorithm. Um, it just makes more sense. I think I think when the show started and we were having guests and kind of having wild conversations, it kind of made sense for it to be a late night type of thing. Not even late night, but a nighttime show. Now it just doesn't really matter um, when it's just me talking into a microphone. It's kind of bullshit. It would make more sense for the Unhitch and Censor to be that. But anyway, it's in that podcast every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Um, we're gonna, we have a lot of tomorrow's episode, especially is going to be going to be wild. We had dirt nasty beats on and we talked a lot about Trump <laughs> and the election and January 6th and it got a little heated. I won't even lie. Um, we all walked away friends, of course, but, um, it was a little heated and that was kind of interesting. And then every Thursday, almost every Thursday at 2 PM, I know we kind of took a break, uh, this last week, but we'll be back. We at least do it twice a month. We try to do it four times a month, but it doesn't always work out because, um, I will say of all the things I'm doing, that podcast is on the bottom end of my priorities. So everybody go check those out. Thank you for tuning in as always, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.